News Talk 580 CFRA presents the Employment Law Show with employment lawyer Alex Luchafero. And here we are. We are uh, ready to go. We hope you are as well. Skulls with Alex. And it's uh, time to take off Employment Law Show. You know the number. It is uh, 613-521-TALK. This is, of course, a live call-in show. So you are welcome to call in with your employment law questions. Here at uh, about seven minutes after seven, you got the rest of the hours. So uh, so make it happen. 613-521-TALK. You have questions about your job. If you're an employer, maybe bringing people back after COVID. Maybe uh, coming off a temporary layoff, you're still a little gun shy, but going back to the workplace, you got some concerns. Tell, make the phone call, ask the questions. It's always good to get some baseline information before you carry on into uh, unclear financial or at least employment waters. Six one three five two one talk is the number. You want to reach out through email? That's also a, a simple possibility. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. We will get to the most common employment law questions during COVID-19. That is all coming up. Maybe that'll blend nicely, dovetail nicely with your phone call. But uh, we shall see. But we'll get it underway here. Alex Pally got a couple things to talk about for the week that was. How are you? Hey, Johnny. Thanks very much. Great to be yeah, uh, live on the air for another edition of the Employment Law Show. Hope everyone's doing uh, doing well, staying safe and sound. We're uh, well into uh, phase two of the reopening here in Ottawa, uh, John, and hoping to get into phase three sooner rather uh, than later. And, and we continue to receive a, a ton of calls and questions from employees, employers, uh, contractors, yeah. you name it, wanting to know what their rights are, looking for help with their workplace problems. It's really, uh, I mean, the past few months, John, have been such a critical time for employees and employers, uh, getting questions from employees who are still temporarily laid off and, and haven't been called back to work. That's still a big one. Uh, unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of people who were temporarily laid off, those layoffs becoming permanent, and so their jobs being kind of permanently uh, um, let go and, and, and they're offered severance packages. Some employees are worried about health and safety, as you mentioned, going back to work. Really, you know, we're fielding a ton of those questions and we'll get into all of that uh, later on uh, tonight and, and kind of help people with, with all of those situations. And we're, we're here until 8 p.m. to do that. Take calls, answer questions. Let's solve your workplace problems out there. Uh, don't be shy to ask questions questions about your workplace rights. You've got to take advantage yeah. of the fact that uh, you've got an employment lawyer here, here to you know tackle those issues, lay out the options, and, and hopefully come up with a solution to whatever workplace struggle, struggles you're dealing with, whether that's COVID-19 related uh, or not. We're here to help in, in that respect. So let's talk about it uh, so that you know how things work, so that you know what your rights are. And as usual, John, we'll start the show with the week that was, was talk about uh, couple of matters that came across my desk uh, this week, actually, in the, in the past couple mm-hmm. of days. I actually spoke with a gentleman yesterday, uh, a John Nice fellow, uh, in his early 50s, uh, had been with the company for just over a year. So I think he was about a one-year and one-month employee. And uh, because of this entire situation, he was initially laid off. So they temporarily laid him, laid him off in March. And, and just last week, they gave him the news that they were actually permanently letting him go. So they couldn't afford oh. to bring him back. And they made the decision to, to terminate his employment. So, again, this fellow was in his early 50s, one year of service, uh, and he was a branch manager for uh, for the company. It was a local company here in, in Ottawa. And the company made him a two-week severance offer. So this, the offer was effectively one week uh, of what's called termination pay under the Employment Standards Act, plus an extra week if he signed off on the document that the company wanted him to sign off on. And so he came to me uh, for advice and was concerned. He's concerned that two weeks is not going to be enough uh, for him to kind of hold him over until he can find another job. 
And the good news I had for him, John, was that, well, two weeks is nowhere near enough, yeah. uh, John, for an employee, even of one year service. It's important for our listeners out there to remember that short service employees such as this, even if you're, you know, six months, eight months, even one year into the job, your severance entitlements aren't going to be one or two weeks just because you're a one year employee. You actually get proportionately more severance yep. as a short term mm-hmm. employee than you would otherwise get if you were maybe even a three or four year employee. And what I mean by that is, again, this gentleman, uh, because of his managerial position and because of he's, he's in his early 50s, despite the one year of service, he's probably looking at four or five months as a severance package. So that's almost half the actual time he was with the company. Right. And, and you know, based on his salary, that was something in the range of $35,000. So this was a big chunk of money uh, for this uh, fellow. And, and actual... You know, the money represents time, John. It rep- represents the time that he needs, again, to hold him over that he until he can find new work, which may be several months in the economy that we're now facing and, and kind of with COVID-19. So we're going we're gonna to assist this gentleman. This is not a complicated scenario, uh, John. We're going to very easily resolve this issue. I guarantee you that we're going to get this gentleman more severance than the two weeks uh, that he was offered. And it's likely going to take a few weeks, maybe a month at, at most, and, and uh, get him sorted out and get him on his way, hopefully to bigger and better things and to new employment. By the way, I want to reach out for the remainder of the show. We are live, of course, 613-521-TALK to ask Alex your questions, get some answers. What else uh, What else you got brewing? Second matter, uh, John, it's actually a, uh, a decision that came out a couple of weeks ago. Not the Uber decision, John. I know that's been a oh, popular one on massive. Uh, uh, on the radio waves, but I'm not going to talk about Uber today. I think you've spoken with, with Lior about it enough, but uh, something that may have come up prior to that, but that I wanted to share with our Ottawa lit- listeners because I don't think it's been addressed. Uh, there was a decision a couple of weeks ago out of the Ontario Court of Appeal that is very, very employee-friendly. And again, it's not the Uber case. Uh, it, it is a decision uh, with the name Walksdale. Uh, and the reason why this decision is so important is because it speaks to employment contracts. So, uh, a lot of, uh, or actually I would say more and more employees nowadays, when they start a job, when they're being offered employment, and I would say this has been the case for maybe, you know, the past five, five years or so, maybe a little more, but, but it's, it's happening more frequently. They're being asked to sign employment contracts with termination language in the contracts. Yep. So you'll sign a contract that has your pay, it has your position, it has your salary, you know, it has your, mm-hmm. uh, benefits rather, and then somewhere buried in the, in the rest of that document is a paragraph that says, in the event that we'll let you go, we're going to pay you this, or we're going to pay you that. And that contract may very well limit your entitlements in the event that you're let go. It may, it may very well limit whatever severance that you're owed when you're let go. Well, just a couple of weeks ago, not even a couple of weeks ago, a week and a half ago, the Court of Appeal in Ontario released a decision that is very favorable to employees when it comes to these termination clauses in their employment contracts. It means that a lot of the contracts out there, I would say the vast majority of contracts out there with termination clauses are unenforceable. I won't get into the weeds about why that is, but my, you know, the reason why I wanted to mention this is because it's really important for all employees out there. If you've been let go and your employer tells you this is what you're owed pursuant to your contract or as per your employment agreement, this is what you're receiving, 
that should be a red flag for employees who are being let go. Make sure you get advice in a situation like that because it could very well be that your contract is not enforceable or at least the termination language in your contract is not enforceable. And that means that that gives you the power, it gives you the ability to argue for a greater severance package, to argue for severance based upon your age, position, and years of service, which is how severance is supposed to work. So uh, important lesson for our listeners out there and for all employees out there, don't just assume that your employment contract or the severance calculation right. in your employment contract is correct. Make sure you get advice when you're let go from your job. Uh, don't just take your employer's word for it. And with that, we'll take our first quick break here. Get back to it. Your phone calls, bring them on. We're live and ready for you. Steve, I see you there. Hang on. You're coming up right after the break. You are first in line. 613-521-TALK. Employment Law Show, News Talk 580 CFRA. Now back to the Employment Law Show with employment lawyer Alex Luchafero on News Talk 580 CFRA. It is uh, 718. Yeah, Alex is ready. Standing by the number to call in, 613-521-TALK. You have questions about your job. Maybe you're an employer. That's fine. Bring it on here to answer them as we are every evening of this show. Get to uh, Steve here who's been hanging online. Steve, thank you for uh, standing by so patiently. How are you tonight? I'm fine, thanks. Yourself? Beautiful. What's uh, what's on your mind? Okay, so I know unions, uh, it's a tricky issue. They're kind of separate from employment law. Um, but basically what's happened is the unions negotiated uh, the fact the company can enforce uh, like a mandatory overtime. Uh, but the thing is, is guys are working almost 70 hours a week. And when we reach out to the union, we're told, well, no cap was ever set. Is there not some sort of humanitarian limit to how much, uh, how many hours someone can work? Yeah, so there, there is, uh, for the general uh, public, for most people, whether it's unionized or non-unionized, uh, Steve, the limit on the amount of hours that an employee can work in any given week is, is typically 48 hours uh, a week. However, as you just alluded to, uh, an employee and an employer can agree to, uh, in writing, agree to something beyond that 48-hour limit. So it seems like you, through your union, uh, have agreed to kind of go beyond that maximum number of, uh, of hours. And, of course, those additional hours need to be paid as, over, as overtime. But if there is no cap on that limit... I mean, that strikes me as a problem, quite frankly. That might have been something that slipped by the union when they were negotiating the collective ad- agreement. The difficulty you have, Steve, is, again, as a unionized employee, the only real recourse you have here is through your union. And so yeah. it's very difficult to stand up individually and say, well, I'm not agreeing to any hours beyond what, you know, pick a number, 60, uh, 50, whatever the number is, you have to basically abide by the union's rules, which is the collective agreement. The one out I might have for you, Steve, is if this is a real issue for you, uh, the one solution I might have here is uh, make an appointment with your doctor and get a doctor's note to say that you, as a as a kind of uh, accommodation and a medical issue, cannot exceed X number of hours a week and provide that to your employer and provide a copy uh, to your union as well. And this way you will be limited to whatever cap your doctor thinks is reasonable. That's how you, for example, or an individual gets around that kind of problem. 
the the issue sounds like a bigger one, and it sounds like an issue for for the union and for a renegotiation of the collective agreement. But that's basically the best anyone's going to be able to do for you given the situation. So you might be able to solve that problem by way of claiming a, a medical accommodation, which is a cap on the hours. Okay, perfect. All right, thanks, Steve. Appreciate the call, and uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. The number to call in, the one that Steve used, you can as well. Bring it on. We've uh, we've got time. That's why we're here to answer your question. 613-521-TALK is the way to get through. Ron, you are up next. Thanks for standing by. How are you tonight? I'm doing great, and uh, thank you very much, guys, for having me on. Um, I've, been, I've been wanting to ask this question for a while, but now you came up with the, in the, just a few minutes ago and talked about this ruling in the courts about employment contracts. Um, I don't have my employment contract in front of me, but it basically says that the, the severance that they would pay would be according to the uh, Employment Act. And I'm wondering... Would they be, are they allowed to stick to that and would that be valid? Or if they were to let me go, would they have to pay me my full severance? Mm-hmm. Great question. Yeah, I appreciate the question, uh, Ron. And, and uh, yeah, you're, you're, uh, you're right, it is a great question. Uh, so, you know, the proof is ultimately going to be in the pudding, Ron, in the sense that I would want to have a look at your contract and, you know, go through it with a fine-tooth comb and make sure... Uh, uh, that it's it's enforceable or, or whether it's unenforceable or, or, or not. Um, again, I think this recent decision from the court of uh, of appeal uh, means that there is a you know a quite a high chance that the language in the agreement is not going to be good enough, which is good news for employees, right? It means that an employer doesn't likely have the protection of that language, which means, as you mentioned, that you'd be able to pursue severance based on your age, position, and years of service. So, and let's just use this as an example, Ron, if if I may. Uh, So, uh, how long have you been with this company? Uh, I've been with this company two full years, actually, not that long. Okay, and how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? 54. And your position with the company? Uh, I'm a service advisor for service uh, advisor. Okay. Yeah. So, so you know, here's the difference. Let's say between uh, between uh, what you would be owed under the common law, meaning what your full entitlements would be, uh, versus what your employment contract may limit you. Your employment contract may limit you to only two weeks uh, of uh, of termination pay as a two year employee, uh, being the right. minimums under the Employment Standards Act. Your full entitlements, however, could be as much as four or five months of pay, and that's obviously a huge difference. It's a difference of you know four to four and a half uh, uh, months. So that's what's at stake here, depending on the language of your contract. And I mean, if you want to answer this question definitively, Ron, what I'd suggest you do is, uh, you know, John will give you the number, or you can find my email address uh, online, or contact us. Uh, at, at the office, send us a copy of your employment contract. I'll be able to tell you very quickly whether it's problematic or not. Uh, again, I think the chances are good that it's unenforceable, uh, which would be good for your severance entitlements, yeah. any pot- potential future severance entitlements. But again, I didn't, I'd need to look at the actual document in order to be sure. Sure. Uh, just a really quick side question. Um, since, uh, since this COVID happened, I was laid off for about eight weeks, eight, nine weeks. Now I'm back, but I'm back, and now they haven't touched my salary, mind you, but yet, mm-hmm. but they have me doing uh, sort of different jobs, different hours. I work much uh, later. I work till 7 instead of 5 p.m., and also I don't have, like, two days off in a row. 
in terms of a weekend, even if it wasn't on the actual weekend, I still don't have any two days in a row. Mm-hmm. It w- would that be um, a, a severe enough change in my employment to consider it a, a constructive dismissal? Yeah, another great question. You, you clearly know what you're talking about, Ron, which I really like. I, I like the language that you're using. I, li- yeah. I like how you're thinking. That's the right way to do it. Hey, um, I listen to you guys all the time. That's why. Good that a boy. Stuff. That, that's, that's why <laughs> we're here. But um, uh, so it's a tough question. I, I think if those changes are short term, Ron, and temporary, uh, uh, no, I don't think that's a constructive dismissal. So what I think you should do in this situation in order to protect yourself and, and in order to kind of preserve your pre-layoff terms of employment, your pre-layoff rights, is send the company a quick email. It could be very polite, very friendly, and just say, you know, uh, hi team, I'm happy to, you know, have this schedule or do these kinds of job duties for the next little while and hopefully for the next, you know, few weeks or month. But, uh, you know, as soon as possible, I'm expecting to go back to my regular job or my regular schedule. And so you want to put them on notice that while you'll agree to this for the short term to kind of, you know, help the team out, you're not agreeing to this as a permanent change to the terms of your employment. And if they try and make those changes permanent in the future, that then gives you that right potentially to argue for a constructive dismissal. Hopefully it's the case then that, you know, in the very near future and with, you know, as I mentioned, us going into phase three and hopefully things slowly getting back to, uh, you know, normal, uh, that you will be able to go back uh, to your previous schedule. Good point. Thank you very much. That's, uh, that's super helpful. I really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks, Ron, Ron, appreciate your time and your listening as well and uh, and calling in. It's uh, it's really appreciated. Yeah, to reach out to Alex, here's uh, here's here's how you do it. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. I'll give it to you again. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And by the way, there's tons of information that can be had by simply going to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That is the firm's uh, latest website. The newest tool's been around for about a year and uh, wrapped into that. With all the other information about employment law would be the severance pay calculator as well, so you want to check that out under your own time. It's uh, completely free. It's completely anonymous. PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca. The phone calls like Ron just made and Steve before him, 613-521-TALK. That is the number to call in and get some answers just like that. But we are talking about, in the meantime, the most common employment law questions during COVID-19. Uh, I think we'll bounce down to an email before we get to those. Uh, Amy says, I've been told that my hours are going to be cut back due to coronavirus. I've worked for the same company for 17 years, servicing hospitals. If they are cut back, can I treat this as a constructive dismissal? Yeah, interesting. So, you know, we're talking about a reduction in, in hours due to yep. due to COVID. And, and it's actually a similar answer, John, that, that I uh, just gave Ron, which is that, you know, when it comes to these kinds of changes to the terms of your employment because of COVID-19, there is going to be, there's going to have to be, I guess, some degree of flexibility there between employees and employers. So, you know, you, you have to be a little flexible as an employee to allow some changes to the terms of your employment. They could be minor changes. They don't have to be massive, huge changes or significant changes, but uh, you know, to answer Amy's question, if it's the case that her hours have been reduced on a you know very short-term basis, you know for a, a few weeks or even quite frankly a few months, if that's the case, 
uh, and she's going back to her full-time hours at some point soon, it's not going to be considered a constructive dismissal. There's not going to be a significant enough difference in her pay there for it to actually trigger a constructive dismissal. But again, I'd give Amy the same advice I gave Ron, which is if you've agreed to a reduction in pay because of COVID, you want to make it clear to your employer that you're not agreeing to that change as a permanent one. You need to send them something in writing saying, I'll agree to this for now, but I'm expecting to go back to my regular full-time hours as soon as possible. And maybe you even give them a deadline, you know, no later than August 1st right. or, or whatever the date's going to be. That's the way you handle that kind of uh, situation. And if it does become a permanent change, well, then you've got grounds for a constructive dismissal. Let's take a short break here, give uh, you some time to grab a phone, give us a call, and you can do so, 613-521-TALK. It's only uh, 729, so you got lots of time. 613-521-TALK, Employment Law Show, News Talk 580, CFRA. Now back to the Employment Law Show with employment lawyer Alex Luchafero. On News Talk 580 CFRA. It is 7.34. Let's, uh, let's keep it going. You want uh, answers to your questions, 613-521-TALK about your employment or if you're an employer as well, bring it on, 613-521-TALK. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And in between, we're going to get to uh, the most common employment law questions during COVID-19. How about this one? Can my employer put me <laughs> on a temporary layoff? There's a big fat question over the last three months, right? Yeah, I'd say it's the uh, it's the million dollar question, probably, uh, John. Yeah. We've been asked it so yeah. often, and and uh, I mean the the short answer is is as follows, uh, John. And and the short answer is no. So just because of COVID nineteen, uh, it doesn't necessarily give the employer the right to temporarily lay you off. There's only really two ways in which an employer can have the right to temporarily lay off uh, an employee. Number one is if temporary layoffs are already an established term of your employment, meaning if you uh, work in a, let's say, seasonal work and you're laid off every winter and called back to work every spring, well, that layoff is pretty much a term of your employment. You've gotten into that rhythm, into that routine of those consistent layoffs, and an employer is allowed to lay you off in that way moving forward into the future. The same with, you know, same with any other kind of layoff, uh, regardless of the time of year. If you've been previously laid off before and you've agreed to that layoff, well, now it's a, it, it is a tool that an employer can use uh, when it's trying to save money and when there's not enough work around for its for its employees. The second way an employer can be allowed to lay off an employee is if there's a term written into their contract that in black and white allows the company to do it. So if you look to your employment contract or offer letter that you first signed when you started with a company and it says we have the right to temporarily lay you off in accordance with the Employment Standards Act, well, guess what? The company is allowed to lay you off and you have to accept that layoff. Barring those two situations, John, barring a previous layoff or barring a term in your actual contract that allows the company to lay you off, uh, employees can treat temporary layoffs as terminations and ah. obtain their severance entitlements. And you might want to do that. It might be a good idea for an employee to do that, John, because who knows when you're going to be called back to work as an employee yeah. in a situation like this. You might be months and months sitting at home waiting around for that callback, and the reality is that call might, callback might never come. 
right? You might be let go anyways, and you've just wasted this bunch of time staying home collecting employment insurance or collecting CERB. Might as well get your severance and hopefully move on yeah. uh, to your next job. The other consideration, as I'm sure you you realize and a lot of our other listeners uh, realize, is that there's a risk, of course, that accepting the layoff now, even with exceptional circumstances like COVID, it might mean that the company will be able to lay you off again in the future. You know, uh, uh, heaven forbid there's a there's another wave of, of COVID and things get worse before they get better. Again, a company the company may be able to temporarily lay, lay you off again after you've been recalled because you accepted the first layoff. So it's it's a very dangerous tool to hand an employer the right to be able to lay off, and it's not something you want to give up uh, you know, willy-nilly like that. You probably want to just walk away with a severance package and move on to a new employer. We are talking about the most common employment law questions during COVID-19, and in between all these, if you'd like to... Uh you like to call in, you sure can. 613-521-TALK is the number to call through for the remainder of the hour. Can my employer avoid paying me severance if I am permanently let go? Yeah, and this is an easy one, uh, John, because the short answer is no. I, I, no. <laughs> I went into pretty good detail there on, on the temporary yeah. layoffs. No, absolutely not. An employer does owe you severance, even if you've been laid off and then you're permanently let go, uh, or you're called back to work, you work for a little bit and then you're let go. Really, regardless of the situation, uh, uh, John, there's really only one of two ways in which an employer is not going to be able to pay severance. And they're really rare, rare situations. So this is not common at all. The first is when an employer goes bankrupt. So if your company goes bankrupt uh, and they've filed for receivership or they've filed, they've filed for bankruptcy, uh, you are not going to get severance in a situation like that. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that is the case. As an employee, even as an employee, you become a creditor like everyone else, yeah. and you're going to have to get behind the big banks. You're going to have to get behind the secured creditors. Not gonna and chances happen. are, yeah, you're going to yeah. get cents Here's- on the dollar as a severance package. So that's not going to happen. The other way in which an employee is not owed any severance pay is if they're terminated for just cause. Just cause means they've done something so terribly wrong, so against the employment relationship, that they're allowed to be let go without notice and without severance whatsoever. And as we've talked about on the show for years now, uh, just cause, uh, termination without any severance, is reserved for really the worst of the worst case scenarios. You have to be a really bad apple, uh, uh, John, to be let go for a cause. You, you would have had to do something really, really terribly uh, yeah. wrong. And we're thinking about the worst of the worst offenses, theft, fraud, uh, you know, physical violence in the workplace, et cetera, et cetera. So those are really the only two ways in which an employee is not going to get severance. In every other case, if you are let go as an employee, or even if you're let go as a contractor, quite frankly, you're going to be owed some sort of severance package, and it's going to be based on your age, your position, and how long you've been with the same company. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of people and employees and employers alike are thinking, "Wait a minute, I still have, I still owe severance pay even during the coronavirus pandemic." I thought there was a bit of a blackout period here. No, there's not. No, there isn't. And and uh, you know, our courts in Ontario have said multiple times that employers don't get a discount on the severance that they owe. 
because of the economic situations, because they're economically maybe struggling. So even if a company is kind of claiming poverty and saying, oh, you know, we can't make ends meet and we, we don't have the funds, that's not enough. It's not an excuse. These are obligations that an employer has to an employee, and those should come first. The only time the, you know, the buck really stops there is, again, in a bankruptcy. So don't let your employer plead, prover- uh, plead poverty. Uh, that's not a good enough excuse to not uh, receive the severance that you're actually owed. Yeah, I think we've said it on the show a few times. You know, you may be on a temporary layoff due to COVID nineteen, but your uh, common law employment rights are not on a temporary layoff. They're still uh, they're still working for you, right? Uh, we are talking about the most common employment law questions during COVID nineteen. You have questions? Uh, Want to call in? New problem? It is six one three five two one talk. That's the number. The email address is help at employmentlawyer dot ca. How about this one? Can I go on a disability if I can't work due to illness, uh, stress, or even a mental health issue? Yeah. So, and 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 you said it, you know, really well there, uh, John, in the sense that you know, no, employment laws haven't changed at all because of COVID uh, nineteen. In fact, they've become more relevant and more protective of employees when it comes to things like health and safety. And mm-hmm. and you know, speaking of health and safety. You know, disability is a big one. So, uh, you know, every employee has the right uh, to take a medical leave of absence if they are unable to work, whether that's a mental health issue, like you said, related to kind of stress or anxiety or, or you know, et cetera, or whether it's actually a physical illness or a physical disability. Uh, if you are unable to work, you should get a doctor's note from your treating physician that says so. Uh, and provide that to your employer. Your employer cannot let you go because of it. They cannot treat you differently. They don't necessarily have the obligation to pay you, uh, right? So an employer doesn't have to pay or continue the salary uh, of an employee who's off on a medical leave. That's where disability insurance comes in. Uh, But they do have an obligation to keep your job open for you and to accommodate you with respect to that disability. So you can absolutely go on disability uh, insurance if you're medically unable to work. That then involves your insurance company. If you have those benefits, you have to apply for probably first short-term disability and then long-term disability benefits if you're still unable to work after a, a, a particular period of of time. And really, you need your doctor's support in a situation like that. As long as your doctor is confirming that you are medically unable to work, you should qualify for those benefits. As you know, John, and as our listeners probably know, we handle disability insurance claims as well. Sometimes insurance companies, maybe more than sometimes actually, oftentimes insurance companies don't make the right decision when approving yep. or denying uh, claims for for uh, for disability. And so if you have issues with your insurance company when it comes to disability leave, uh, you know, contact us, give us a call. We're always happy to talk about those situations. But yes, as long as you have the support of your doctor, you can absolutely go on disability uh, if you're unable to work. And again, your employer cannot punish you for that. They cannot treat you different, differently. They cannot discriminate against you because you are medically unable to work. Yeah, you said with the blessing of your doctor, and that kind of uh, that kind of works into the next question of the uh, most common questions of employment law during COVID nineteen. That is, can my employer force me to work in an unsafe workplace? Or I'll ask you this way: Can I not go to work because I don't feel my workplace is safe? Yeah, it's uh, it's really the big question of of the past couple of weeks, and maybe even yep. the past month, John. I mean, I can't yep. tell you how many people I've spoken to. Uh, that have concerns in this respect. And a lot of the concerns are are warranted in in a couple of different ways. So number one, uh, 
you know, there are a lot of employees out there that have underlying medical condition, conditions. Uh, they, they've, they've been sick before or they're struggling with, a, you know, some sort of autoimmune disease or, or any number of illnesses, really, and they're really worried about COVID-19. They're really worried about how it's going to affect their, you know, their breathing. They're really worried about how it's going to affect their overall health. And they're absolutely petrified of going, going into work. And what I tell those employees is this. Uh, and again, it goes back to something we were just saying a moment ago, which is, well, that's fine. You're probably justified in feeling that way, but you still need the support of your doctor. All roads it's go back not to the doctor. Yeah. Exactly. You, you've yeah. got it. it. You know, you can you can feel really strongly about something, but if your doctor doesn't back you up, you don't have the evidence, you don't have the support that you need to prove to your employer that you shouldn't be working or that you require specific accommodations in the workplace. So a doctor support is so, so critical in a, in a situation uh, uh, like that. Uh, then, um, you know, for those employees that, let's say, don't have any health, con- uh, health issues, well, listen, you're still entitled to work in a healthy and safe work environment. Sure. Right? It's not as if it, because you're healthy, you can you know take a huge risk. Not at all. Every employee in Ontario has the right to a, a safe work environment. And that then falls on the employer to say, uh, okay, we've taken all reasonable precautions that we've take, that, that, that we're able to take. We followed public health guidelines. We're social distancing. We're wearing masks. Uh, we're cleaning all of the products and, and, uh, um, you know, and, and all of the equipment uh, that employees are using. We've done everything that we could uh, within our power and within reason. And if that's the case, John, then yes, as an employee, you're going to be required uh, uh, to go to work. And the only way to avoid a situation like that is to get your doctor to write a doctor's note saying uh, that it's not recommended. Let's take a, a short break, shall we? Get back to it. You still got some time to make that phone call. 613-521-TALK is the way. Email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Employment Law Show, News Talk 580 CFRA. Now back to the Employment Law Show with employment lawyer Alex Luchafero on News Talk 580 CFRA. You still have some uh, some time here if you want to call in and ask a question. Love to talk to you live. It is a seven forty nine at six one three five two one talk. That is the number to call the station and talk to Alex briefly. Here you want to talk afterwards in a more uh, private nature. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. There's also help at employment lawyer. Ca. We are talking about the uh, most common employment law questions during COVID-19 and have been for the uh, last few weeks, if not a couple months. Next one is this. Alice, can I be fired for cause if my employer says my performance dropped recently? Yeah, well, this, uh, you know, this goes back to a conversation we were having just a few minutes ago, uh, John, with respect to just cause and how hard it is for an employer to let an employee go for for just mm-hmm. cause, and so when it comes to performance issues specifically, uh, you know, I don't want to exaggerate here, here, John, because it, you know, in certain exceptional circumstances, it may be possible to terminate an employee for just cause because of performance issues. But it has to be after months and months of performance reviews and performance improvement plans and repeated warnings and attempts to improve the employee's performance. And really, there are so many steps that need to be taken before an employer is able to do that. Uh, you know, I want to say that it is basically almost impossible to terminate an employee for just cause based on 
uh, performance. So, you know, the short answer is is no. It's not going to be possible to terminate an employee for a cause if performance has dropped recently because an employer probably hasn't taken the steps needed in order to establish a just cause uh, a termination. And, and quite frankly, an employee in a situation like this can probably rely on the fact that, you know, COVID-19 has been an exceptional and unprecedented situation for everyone. Anxiety is high. Stress is high. Maybe you're working from home and you're not particularly prepared to do so. It's normal that there was going to be some sort of adjustment period, uh, some sort of uncomfort or discomfort rather uh, with the current working uh, situations. And you can't blame an employee for that. And certainly you can't terminate an employee for cause for a situation uh, like that. So that employee is definitely going to be owed uh, a severance, regardless if there was a recent drop in their performance or not. You know, back close to the uh, top of the show, we were talking to Steve, who had an overtime question, I think working 70 hours, but it was it was a union thing, so he was kind of stonewalled in that regard, which often happens when we talk to people that work under the uh, CBA. Um, let me ask you this in a non-union question, though, for the last one. Can I be asked to work unpaid overtime? Non-union, of course. Yeah, so this, this is actually a, a question we've uh, received uh, during you know the past few months quite often, John. Which is which is why it it, it made uh, the list. It seems like some employers are taking kind of I would say uh, taking advantage of COVID nineteen by really pressing their employees hard in some situations. And we've spoken to a number of employees that are are asking to put in kind of extra hours on the weekend and extra hours in the evenings or early in the mornings. Uh, you know, in, in part uh, to make up for other employees who have either been laid off or let go. So employers out there, are, you know, cutting costs, but then asking the current employees uh, that are still there that haven't been let go or laid off to pick up the slack. And that's obviously a huge, huge problem. And, and unpaid overtime is a massive problem. I mean, you, you cannot uh, ask an employee to work over 44 hours a week and not pay them. Uh, overtime. I mean, it's just impossible, except for very, very rare uh, e- exceptions to the rule. There are some particular industries where the overtime hours are different, but for the vast majority of, of employees out there, uh, uh, John, they are absolutely owed overtime pay at time and a half for every single hour that they work uh, overtime. There's going to be no question about it. Uh, some employers will offer banked overtime, so or, or or kind of a time off in lieu of overtime. That's actually okay, John. And and we rec- you know we speak to employees where that's offered, and employees are concerned about a situation like that. Uh, but we tell them it's okay. You can as long as it's being calculated a time and a half, you can take kind of time off in lieu of the overtime pay. But make sure you're getting time and a half. Otherwise, you're not being paid properly. And again, it is uh, 613-521-TALK. That is the number to call in with the remaining minutes we have here on the show. In that regard, I want to get over to uh, to Mark, who's been waiting for a couple minutes. Hey, Mark, how are you tonight? I'm doing fine. <laughs> Great. What's, uh, uh, what's on your mind? Well, uh, I've quit my job, and uh, I work for this uh, heating and ventilation company uh, for uh, two and a half years. And... Um, I, I requested a, a pay raise, and uh, anyway, I didn't get it, so I looked elsewhere, and uh, I got what I wanted from the other employer, but um, my employer refuses to give me my last pay, my last weeks of pay, and, and my vacation pay. So I don't know why. He says, uh, oh, I'm going to go see a lawyer better. So I don't know. 
I've uh, put a claim into uh, the um, uh, labor board, and um, they said, "Well, we'll send him a letter." That's all I know. Okay. I know nothing. I just don't have a, my pay. That's all. Yeah. So I, I'm guessing there was no particular reason given to you, Mark, as to why they weren't paying you those last couple of weeks. No, absolutely not. Okay. Well, I mean, it's not going to be shocking for you or, or anyone else to hear, obviously, that you should absolutely get paid for the time that you worked, as well as your earned and, and kind of accrued vacation pay that you earned up until your last day of work. You're not owed anything beyond that, obviously, because it's no. a resignation. It's not as if there's severance owing. But, uh, yeah, I, I can't see why an employer here would refuse to pay the last two weeks of work, especially if you actually worked to them and earned that money. This yep. is a this is a no brainer. So I'd be cu- really curious to know what the employer's position here. I mean, it sounds like uh, they're just spiteful uh, and upset at the fact that you left them. That's obviously not a good enough excuse. That, that, you know, that's nonsense. Effectively, they they're going to owe you that pay at at some point. So uh, unless there's something I'm missing here, uh, let let the labor uh, board do its job. Uh, uh, Mark, if you're running into uh, difficulties. Or uh, if ever you have any uh, issues, give us a call. Uh, I mean, we, uh, you know, we, we straighten employers out like this for a living. So this is, uh, you know, this is something that we'd probably take care of with uh, with a letter to the company and and uh, uh, at least get to the bottom of it, bottom of it, and figure out what the rationale is. Uh, so I think you're fine going with. It. This is one of the things that the labor board can actually be helpful with. They can't be helpful with set when it comes to severance, but when it comes to unpaid pay and, and vacation pay and overtime hours, uh, the Ministry of Labor is probably the way you want to go. So uh, hopefully they can get you your money, uh, uh, Mark. And uh, if you have any issues, if you have any trouble, give us a call. Happy to chat off air, and uh, and we can uh, potentially be of assistance. Okay. Well, I thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate that. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you for taking the time and to reach out if you need to. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Want to get to an email here? Will says, uh, guys, my employer is asking employees to come forward to take a voluntary layoff. They say that if enough don't come forward, they'll begin firing people and give them a week per year severance packages. What do you think about that? Yeah, uh, a couple of things wrong uh, uh, there, John. So, you know, again, the the voluntary layoff, as I was discussing earlier in the show, you know, again, very, very dangerous for an employee. You don't want to volunteer for a temporary layoff because, again, in doing so, you're creating a precedent. You're, you're, You're setting an established right for an employer to temporarily lay you off. You're also volunteering to basically go sit at home. Uh, and, and earn employment insurance, which is probably less than you're actually making it work. So there's no point in volunteering to take a pay cut. That's probably not right. a good financial move. So that's problem number one. You never want to volunteer for a layoff. And actually, for those employees listening out there, if you're temporarily laid off, you probably want to give us a call and find out uh, whether you should be looking to negotiate a severance package, an exit yep. package, rather yep. than continue on on the layoff. But never volunteer for it. Second thing is, you know, and, I, and it really grinds my gears when companies do this, uh, uh, John. They say, "Well, if we're gonna, you know, we're gonna let you go, we're giving you a week per year of service." Th- there is no rationale for that, John. There's no law a- anywhere that says that an employee is owed one week per year of service uh, anywhere. That's not how severance is calculated. 
uh, a certain minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act are a week per year of service up to a maximum of eight weeks. But again, those are Employment Standards Act minimums. That's not actually the way severance is calculated. Severance is based on age, position, and years of service. And I guarantee you it's going to be way more than a week per year of service for the yeah. vast majority of employees, if not all employees uh, out there. So you know, the company's gotten a couple of things wrong here when it comes to Will. Uh, you know, Will, give us a call. We can happy to chat off air. If you are let go, that's probably the better option, actually, than being temporarily laid off. And you're going to be owed way more than a week per year of service, as your employer says. So, you know, good lessons for employers out there. You can't, you shouldn't be treating your employees uh, like yeah. this. Treat them fairly. Get advice. Get legal advice so that you know what you're doing. Uh, you know, these kinds of positions just end up making uh, an employer look bad, really, at the end of the day. And we'll leave it there for another show. You want to reach out and get a hold of Alex now? No problem. It's at one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca and always check out pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well for more information. We'll catch you next time. Employment Law Show. This is News Talk five eighty CFRA.